If you have your Bible, I'd like to invite you to turn to John chapter 8, verse 31, which Ethan has just read for us just a moment ago. I will tell you, uh, I could use your prayers this morning. Uh, we were laughing about it, but I was just attacked, literally, by a swarm of wasps in our back of, our, of the way, way in the back of the church, and they got me pretty good. Uh, so my head's a little numb right now, but by God's grace, we'll get through it, yes? If you see me pass out, you know why. Just kidding. Tough guy, we'll make it through. Let's pray and ask God to bless our time together in His Word. Father, we thank You for Your Word. Uh, Lord, I just thank You for this opportunity that I have to stand before Your people and uh, point them to Christ, Father. I just pray now in this moment, Lord, that You would give me strength. Um, Lord, that You would just help me to overcome and that You would help me just to present You in a way that is both clear, understandable, but also life-changing. That People who come today will not only know Christ, but they will live transformed by Christ, or that they will walk out of here being transformed by Christ. So we just pray for your goodness and your grace this morning. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so as we walk through, continue to walk through the Gospel of John, uh, one of the things that happened last week is Jesus made a big claim about himself last week. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And as the light of the world, if you look at in verse 30, as he said these things, many believed in him. And so Jesus saw the many people, they were believing in him, and Jesus says, okay, I'm going to clarify what this belief does. In other words, belief leads to action in our lives. That when you believe in Jesus, there really is a life change, a life, trans life transformation that takes place in our lives. And so here's the question that I really want us to think through this morning as believers. When you have a genuine belief in Jesus, does it produce a fruit in your life and people notice that you are truly His disciple? See, here's what I want us to do. We really need to think this morning as believers, okay? I'm going to challenge you to really think. And here's what will happen, okay? I'm, I'm, I, want to be, I want us to be very careful here because I think we're going to see something very interesting about Jesus' claim to believe in me. When Jesus says, you believe in me, your life reflects that belief. But here's what oftentimes happens, in, especially in, in, in the church today. Sometimes we have to be careful that we don't judge people based off of their actions, but we judge people based off of their hearts. We wanna, we wanna, today, what I'm asking God to do is have you look within yourself to see where you stand in relation to Jesus. Are you a truly a follower, or are you just pretending to be a follower? And the way that you can understand and identify this is by looking this morning at your heart. So I'm going to give you an example today of what I mean by this. Uh, so this week, uh, we were having a, a good theological conversation around the dinner table with our, with our family. All right, We just have these moments where we talk about Jesus around the dinner table. And this, mor this week, we talked about what does it mean to love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love others as yourself, your neighbors. Everybody good? And so we used Adeline's milk cup as an example. Katie told me that she w wished that I would have told her that I was using our milk cup as an example. She would have bought a much nicer one. But this is the reality of our home. I just wanted to let you know what our home looks like. It's a mess. And they don't match, okay? You'll find when you have kids, nothing matches anymore, all right? So we, we used Adeline, our, our four-year, five-year-old, ooh, we use our five-year-old's milk cup as an example. We set the milk cup on the table and we said, okay, kids, let's pretend 
that this cup has milk in it. And this is Adeline's milk cup. Now, in, in my heart, let's say that I am a slave to my sin. That in my heart, I'm a slave to my selfishness. That I, I care more about my wants and my desires and my needs than I do Adeline and her milk cup. And so, as the dad, if I wanted to be entrapped in my slavery to sin, I could actually act out of my heart of sin, couldn't I? And what would I do to Adeline's milk cup if I was going to act out of my slavery to sin? What would I do? I'd take it from her. It's not your milk cup, it's my milk cup now. Alright, do you see what I did? My, my heart of sin caused within me a response of selfishness to steal Adeline's milk cup away. So you would all agree that I have a heart of sin at this moment, yes? Yes? If you said no, I'm coming and taking your milk cups. <laughs> Just kidding. But there's also another problem here. We could be looking at Adeline's milk cup and I could say, you know what, I really want Adeline's milk cup, but I'm not going to take it. And this is, this is the position I think many people sitting in our pews are, are facing. I could say, you know what, I'm not going to take that milk cup not because I love the Lord or I want to please God. It's because I don't want to get in trouble. Or it's because I want to look good. I want to look like I'm a, I'm a morally right person. I'm a morally good person. Right? And so, so what would happen, let's just put it into terms of one of our other children. So let's say one of the other three saw Adeline's milk cup sitting there. And they said, you know what? I'm not going to take the milk cup. Not because I don't want the milk cup. I'm not going to take the milk cup because I don't want Daddy to punish me for taking the milk cup. All right, who is the subject that is concerned about... I guess I just gave it to you. The subject is me, right? I'm about self-preservation or I'm about self-glorification. I don't want to get in trouble, so I'm not going to take the milk cup. But here's the problem. Both of those attitudes are not an attitude that reflects believing in Jesus. You could be a morally good person and still not believe in Jesus. I think this happens all the time in our churches today. I think there's people that are not necessarily followers of Christ. They just come to church to look good. Or they come to church to, 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 be, to save face. Or they come to church for whatever reason. But if it's not to come and worship Jesus, then they're not really coming with a heart of true belief. Did you see that? Here's the way we should respond to Adeline's milk cup. Well, in my desire, I want that milk cup. But because I believe in Jesus... Because I'm a follower of Christ and I want to please my daddy in heaven every single moment, I'm not going to take the milk cup because I want to glorify my father, not myself. Now, who believes in Jesus in that situation? That person that would make that claim, right? And that's what Jesus says. Jesus says in verse, if you look at verse 29, he says, And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. You see, a person who really believes in Jesus lives life for Jesus and His glory. Are you with me? So they don't take the milk cup because they want to please their Father who is in heaven, who saved them from their sin. And we have to be careful because, listen, the reality that we live in a culture today, we live in a culture that loves to promote your selfishness. Don't we? Just look at advertisements on TV, Look at advertisements on the internet. Look at advertisements in the newspaper. What, what iPhone are we on now? iPhone 10? 9? I don't know. I still have the iPhone 5C. What do I have? 6. But what is the iPhone, what, 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 is that, what is the advertisement always telling you? You need this next greatest invention of the iPhone 
to have your life fulfilled and satisfied. And so what are, they, what are, the, what are the advertisements pressing in upon us? They're actually, they're actually pressing in upon our, our sinfulness towards selfishness, aren't they? You need this in order to be satisfied. You need this in order to have your life fulfilled. And then what happens? You buy the new iPhone, and five months later, what do they do? Here comes a new one. And they, they constantly are bombarding us in our selfishness. But the difference is that those of us who are slaves to Christ, who believe in Jesus, who are slaves to Christ, we produce fruit out of our belief in Jesus. Does that make sense? So let me show you what I mean. Jesus is actually very clear on this because he wants to make sure that people understand that when you believe in him, there really is a life change that goes along with him. There really is a challenge to your life. Look what he says. He, he responds to these Jews who had believed in him, he says in verse 31. And then he gives this condition. If you abide in my word, he says... There's the condition. What's the condition? If you believe, if you abide, if you remain in my word, then, look what he says, you are truly my disciples. Then you will know the truth. Then the truth will set you, say it, yes, you're free. So we have to ask the question, what does abide mean? What does it mean that Jesus says, if you abide in me? So it's, it's, it's a deeper belief. We're looking at our hearts this morning. What does it mean to abide in Jesus? What does it mean to remain in Jesus? Everybody keep your finger on John 8, and I want you to flip over to John 15. And look at verse 5. Jesus gives us a perfect illustration using a vine and its branches to show us what it means to abide in him. He says this in John 15, verse 5. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him. Yet it, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. You can do nothing apart from me. Now, now skip down. Let me show you the purpose of this in verse 8 of the same chapter. Look at verse 8. Jesus says this. If we abide in him, look what our lives change into. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my what? Disciples. All right, go back to John chapter 8. Here's what we have to understand. When you believe in Jesus, he connects you to his life-giving vine, and you produce fruit out of that belief. Did you see what I said there? So, let's go back to my milk cup analogy. You ready? So, if I believe in Jesus, I abide in his life-giving vine, so I don't take Adeline's milk cup, because as Jesus is living and connected to me, I'm going to bear good fruit in order to glorify him. So do I take the milk cup or do I not take the milk cup? I don't take the milk cup. Is that for my glory or for his glory? Why? Because I believe in him. That's what abiding means. He says, if you abide, and then he uses this great term. He says, in my word. Jesus is the word who became flesh, it says in John 1.14. John is trying to teach us that Jesus is the word who became flesh, and he wants you to believe in him in order to have your life changed for his glory. 
It says, if you believe, if you abide in my word. Now notice that word my there. My is a possessional word. We use my all the time, don't we? Don't we? This is my, just throw an illustration out. This is my car. This is my house. So when you use the word my, you take what of it? Ownership. Do you see that? Listen, if you abide in Christ, Jesus owns your life. Our connection to Jesus gives us a new identity in Christ. That's what he says here. Look at the next words. Here's the, here's the, here's the moment. We move from a condition to a reality. If you abide in my word, you are truly my what? Disciples. Whose disciples are you? His disciples. When you abide in his life-giving vine, he becomes your savior. He becomes your identity. You become his. In other words, let me put it to you in this kind of context. In other words, he owns you. Now, he doesn't just own a little bit of you. He wants to own what? All of you. Jesus wants to own all of you. And in that ownership, look what he says it does to you. If you abide in me, truly you are my disciples, and you will know the truth. Now, what is truth here? Jesus is actually talking about himself. When he comes to John 14, 6, he says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So when you, when you believe, you abide, and you know the truth that Jesus is the Son of God who came to take away the sins of the world. Yes? You with me? Now look what it does. This is, this is so cool. Are you ready to see some coolness? Look what it does. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you... Say it. You are free. Free to live for Jesus. Free to walk with Jesus. Free to love Jesus. You are, you are free. And Jesus doesn't just say you are free. Look at verse 36. If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. You will be free indeed. In other words, you at the moment of belief, you become connected to Jesus, you are getting a new identity in Jesus, and now you are free to walk with Jesus. Do you see that? Now, let's ask a question this morning. How many of your lives would reflect that? How many, like, look deep within your heart today. L let's do it this way. How many of you, don't raise your hands, this is one of those moments in my sermon when it is not interactive church. How many of you are here this morning to worship out of reverence and awe and love for Jesus? How many of you are here out of duty? You see the difference? One says, I'm here for myself. The other says, I'm here for my Savior. What's your heart say today? We call this motives in our hearts. We call this the, the, the motive of a heart is reflected in the action of an individual. 
So what's your motive for being? Are you here to worship this morning? The King of kings and the Lord of lords, the one who freed you, the one who you now abide in because of your belief and faith in his work, not your own? You see, that's a heart of a true disciple. But those in this room who come just out of, out of duty or out of their religious preferences, then I would say you need to really look at your heart and see where your heart really is. Is your heart really free? Or is your heart still trapped by sin? Look what Jesus, you know, by the way, the, the Pharisees, or the uh, Jews here, they get kind of, they get kind of um, questioning Jesus' motives here. Remember, these are the people that they said, they said many believed in him, and look what they say to him in verse 33. 33. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Here's the thing. The Jews here, if we recall back to the Old Testament history, Jews were born Jewish. And, and Jews were God's chosen people, right? The Old Testament, we have Abraham. And Abraham came and God said, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. Through you, all the families of the earth would be blessed. And I, I've chosen you, Abraham, to carry out my lineage and to bring Jesus into the world to save the world of sin. And, and so the Jews look at themselves and they're like, wait a minute, we've been born of Abraham. How is it that we're not free? Jesus says, because you haven't been reborn in me. It's not, it, see, listen, here's what happens, okay? This is one of my biggest concerns about us as, as, as a church in America as well, especially when we have families. Let's go back to my milk cup analogy. I'm, y'all are all going to go home and have some chocolate milk after this, huh? Y'all going to get some yahoos. No, yoo-hoos. Yahoo is the end of email. <laughs> See what happens when I go outside my notes? Bad things happen. All right. What happens many times in the church today is people believe, well, I was raised in a Christian home, so therefore I must be Christian. Friend, you could be raised in a Christian home and you could still not be a Christian. Because where you were born does not matter. The only thing that matters in this world is if you were reborn in Christ. If you abide in Jesus. So I can look at that cup and I'm like, well, I was raised in a Christian home, so therefore I know what I'm supposed to do, um, so I'm not going to do it because I came out of a Christian home. What just happened? I became self-preservation again. Did you see that? The same thing is I don't want to get in trouble. So yes, while we should be thankful that our kids are being raised in Christian homes, we also have to understand that our children first need to accept Christ before they truly become a Christian. This is one of the reasons that we haven't baptized some of our kids yet because we want to see the fruit in their lives that is, that is being produced based off of the faith they proclaim. In other words, one of my biggest fears as a daddy and as a pastor of little kids is my biggest fear is that they have adopted my faith and they haven't abided in Christ. And so what we do is we test them for a while. Because listen, if they're saved, they'll be saved until they die, right? Right? We haven't baptized them yet because while baptism is an outward symbol of an inward reflection, we want to make sure that they are abiding in Christ so that we see the fruit in their life and it matches up with Jesus. Are you with me? The same thing happens in your life. 
The same thing we want to see over and over in our lives. Now, Jesus begins to tell them this. He says, listen, it doesn't matter if you've been born, you need to be reborn in me. Look what he says in verse 34. Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Jesus has a very pointed reality for every single person in this room and every single person in this world. You ready for it? It's going to make you shudder a little bit. Are you ready? Good. We are all slaves. The question is, who is your master? Are you a slave to your sin? Or are you a slave to Christ? Are you a slave to yourself and so you make a practice of sinning? Or are you a slave to Jesus and you make a practice of walking in righteousness that he has given you? Do you see the difference between the two kinds of people in this world? Jesus says, for those who make a practice of sinning are a slave to sin. Jesus says, you're either going to be a slave to a sin or you're going to be slave to a son. Here, here's what we have to understand as a church. Are you ready? People out there who don't know Christ are slaves to what? Sin. So let me let you in on a little gospel secret. It's not a secret. That's a total joke. Let me let you in on a little gospel secret. People who are enslaved to sin are going to sin. Don't be surprised when they do. We get so worked up to make church against culture in our lives. We look at how bad they are. Look at what they do. Look at what they believe. What do you expect? They are slaves to their sin. They are slaves to their selfishness. And so guess what? When they see the milk cup, guess what their slavery and sin causes them to do? Snatch it away. So when we understand that people are slaves to sin, we have to show them Jesus so that they can be freed from their sin like we are. Do you see the difference? You see what I'm saying? Are you tracking with me? The Son wants to set them free just as He has set you and me free. But look at the beautiful thing about this. Look what He says. The slave doesn't remain in the house forever, but the Son remains forever because He has the inheritance of the house. He owns the house with His Father. Jesus is the Son. God is the Father. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Here's the reality, friends. For us as believers, when you have been set free in Christ, Jesus sustains your freedom to live for Christ until you die. We are all moving to be like Christ. We should all be. If we have truly abided in Him, then He has truly set us free, then He has indeed set us free for the rest of our lives. No temptation has overcome you you can overcome it. And that's what Jesus does. He says, I will be with you. Now, here's the problem. Here's what has happened. Here's why I think a lot of people um, have left the church. And a lot of young people leave the church. It's because what we, what we used to do and what we used to preach as, as, as a church was we would preach the salvation really quickly, but then we'd preach a lot of laws and rules for people to follow, right? 
You remember the old adage, like, don't drink or smoke or chew and hang out with those who do? Come on, guys. That's a, that's a good one, right? All right? So that's what we said. We said, oh, so, so people came into the, people understand the church is this, like, oh, it's just a bunch of things that are, that are going to be rules-based. Like, I, they're going to change the way that I think. They're going to make me change the way I dress. They're going to make me change the way I talk. And so people look at the church because the church has become so heavily rules-based I'm not saying rules don't have their, their point. Rules are very good. But, but the church has become, become so rules-based that people don't see freedom in Christ. They see Christ restraining them and restricting them from life. And the reason that they see that is because we're pointing them to the rules so much, we stop pointing them to the relationship they could have in Christ. Somebody should have just said amen right there. Because it's the relationship in Christ that leads us to understand the rules. Does that make sense? And the rules can free us. But here's what the people missed. Even though they believed, they were never connected. Because look what Jesus recounts to them in verse 37. And I think this, to me, if I was a Jew sitting here, this would have penetrated my heart. It would have hurt. Because Jesus says this, I know that you are an offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me. Wait, wait, I thought you said that they believed in him. Yeah. But they didn't believe in him the way that they should abide in him. They just liked the idea of him. He said this, Yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. Now look at, look, that's very counter to what Jesus has just said in verse 31. Look at 31 again. If you abide in my word, condition, result, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Yet, verse 37, God's word, Christ, did not find any place in him, and so he sought, they sought to what? Kill Jesus. Here's the point. See, everybody who comes to this message today, you have a response to make. You can either connect with Jesus by having faith, or you can reject Jesus by walking away. If you connect with Jesus, he says, you will abide and bear fruit. If you reject Jesus, you will still be a slave to your sin. But today, Jesus doesn't want you to be a slave to sin. He wants you to come to him and be a slave to the Son. So let me, let me clarify, let me finish by saying this. A relationship with Jesus, a relationship with Jesus is absolutely amazing. See, most people, they look at Jesus as something that constrained them. But Jesus, where do you see in this book, that where, where do you see in Jesus' teaching where he says, I want to constrain you? What does he say over and over, I want to do to you? I want to free you. Here's what we have to come to an understanding. When you abide in Christ, he doesn't constrain you, but rather he frees you. And in that freedom, brother and sister, listen, in that freedom, you will finally experience joy. Let me give it to you this way. I want to read to you what Paul says in the book of Romans, chapter 6. I love what Paul says here because Paul gives us an example of what he means by slave to sin and slave to righteousness. Oops. Starting in verse 20. He says this. For when... Come on, babies. You got it. If you, just in case you can't get there, I want you to see it. There it is. Listen. For when you were slaves to sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. In other words, you did what you wanted. 
and you didn't walk in any type of ways of the Lord. But then he asked this question, Paul asked this question, but what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? <laughs> Did you hear that? Sin leads to your shame. You actually experience shame when you sin, don't you? You actually experience hurt and brokenness when you sin. And, Jesus, and, and Paul takes it a step further. Look what he says here. For the end of those things, for the end of your slavery to sin is what? Death. Here, here's the point, guys. When you walk and when you are a slave to sin, it will kill you. It will kill your life. It will kill the lives of those around you. It will hurt others. And your life, although sin looks enticing and like it's going to do great things for you, all it's going to do is destroy you. And so the polar opposite actually happens. Sin actually constrains you. When you say, I don't want to be a part of Jesus because I don't want to follow Jesus, you're actually constraining yourself to live a sinful life and it's going to hurt. It's going to be miserable. You may think it's fun and joyful like the movies make it out to be, but the movies never give you the full picture. Because those people that are having that fun and living the party life, their lives are destroying themselves. And it's killing them from within. Jesus says the slavery to sin is constraining and, de and destroying, and it will ultimately lead to death. You see, slave, being a slave to sin is like putting a poison or a toxin in your body. But let me put it this way. Being a slave to sin is like getting stung by, by wasp, like I just got stung, right? Like I can, feel, I can feel the poison right now in my brain, or in my, in my swelling in my skin. That's what sin will do to you every time. Every time you let do something, every time you draw on that sinful action, it's going to hurt your life, and it's going to scar you a little bit more. But look what Paul says next, verse 22. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God... The fruit you get leads to sanctification, and its end is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Did you see what Jesus does to your life? He frees you from sin. And when you believe in Jesus, when you believe in His death, burial, and resurrection, Jesus says that you will become connected to me, I will give you a new identity with me, and you will begin to freely walk with me the rest of your days. And it's going to be good. You're going to be living the way that I had designed and created you to live for the beginning, and your life, it's not going to feel constrained. You're going to be like an eagle, and you're going to fly, baby. That's what Jesus does to our lives. Look in your own testimonies. Look at what God has done in your life. Man, if you only knew the, the college Jeremy, you would, he would not be standing here today. I'll tell you that much. But the college Jeremy has been crucified in Christ. And now that I believe in Jeremy, not Jeremy, now that I believe in Jesus, it's the, yes, <laughs> the poison talking. Now that I believe in Jesus, I've started to walk with Jesus, and my life has actually gotten substantially better. I don't worry about hurting people with my alcohol anymore. I don't worry about hurting my wife with my drinking anymore. Because I don't do it because I want to love them and please God with all of my body. And now my marriage is stronger because of it. My kids are stronger because of it. Because when you walk with Jesus, you begin to actually see what freedom really looks like. And let me tell you something. 
you begin to truly experience joy, satisfaction, and excitement when you live for Jesus. Yeah? Ask any of our missionaries that just came back from Boston. When they obeyed the Great Commission to go take the gospel, they came back with excitement and joy, even though it was scary to go, right? But yet they went, and God changed them and grew them closer, and their life has gotten much better for being obedient to Christ. Just like he'll do to your life. So this is how we're going to end today. First question I want you to ask yourself is, do you abide in Christ? Look in your heart. Do you live moral lives out of simply trying to be a good person and saving face, or do you live a moral life because you have a relationship with Christ? Because out of that relationship, out of that abiding, becomes a true disciple. But, but some of you in here today, some of you in here, you're, you're struggling in life, and I get that. Some of you right now are struggling with a particular sin in your life, something that, that you're really struggling to overcome. And I want you to know that today Jesus wants to set you free from whatever you are struggling with in life. He says, if you believe in me, if you follow the Son, you will be free, what? Indeed. Some of you are struggling with some things. Some of you are struggling with judgment. Some of you are struggling with bitterness. Some of you are struggling with anger. Some of you are struggling with holding a grudge. Some of you may be struggling with a sexual temptation or a sexual sin or pornography. And today, Jesus wants you to know that when you believe in him, he will free you of all of that. Yes? And it'll be the most freeing experience that you'll ever have in your life, and you will experience great joy in Christ. So here's how we're going to close today. Are you ready? I'm going to turn it over to you. <gasps> what does that mean, right? No, I'm going to turn it over to you today. So first off, I'm going to have Larry T. and John Kubia come up to the front right now. This is how you respond. Everybody's going to have an opportunity to respond in some capacity to abiding in Christ. So these two men are, are two, one of our great deacons here at New Hope. Not that all of them aren't great. Every single one of them is great, okay? So don't hear that in the wrong way. And so Larry over here. So here's what Larry and John want to do for you today. Today, if you say, Jeremy, I, I have a struggle in my life. I'm really suffering in my life. I, I really just need somebody to pray. Listen, we all struggle with sin, and Christ has set us free, but the good news is he doesn't want you to struggle alone. That's why he gave you a community called the church to pray and help and encourage one another. And so John and Larry are going to be standing up here for the, for the remainder of this, of this uh, ser ser uh, service today. And if you're struggling today and you say, I just need prayer, you get out of your island just a moment. We're not going to make a line just as one person comes up, another person goes, go, when one person leaves, the next person comes up. And what we're going to do is you come up and say, I just need some prayer right now. Maybe you're here today and you recognize for the first time that you do not abide in Jesus. That you're simply a, a rule follower, not in a relationship as a discipler, a disciple. And these two men are willing to talk to you about what it means to follow Christ and help you lead you on the next steps to following Jesus. So over this next 10 minutes, you're going to have an opportunity to come to one of these men and have an opportunity for them to pray with you or to respond to say, I want to abide in Christ today. Good? The second way that we're going to do this is I'm going to invite Baxter and Brian up to the front. And they're going to remove our tablecloth today. Go ahead. Come on. Come on. Right now. Today we're going to partake in communion for the, uh, a little bit differently. Instead of passing it, we're going to come and partake in it together. So this is what this is going to look like. You see, Jesus died so we could abide. Right? 
We believe that Jesus died for our sins in order to free us from the slavery of sin in order to walk with Him in newness of life. And so when we come to the Lord's table, we're reminded of what Christ has done for us. We're reminded that He broke His body and poured His blood to free us from the slavery of sin and to free us to walk in righteousness as His slave and commit completely and solely to Him. That's what the Lord's Supper is designed to remind us of, His sacrifice for us, yeah? And then it reminds us that there is a coming, right? That, so this is just a small snack compared to the marriage supper of the Lamb to come when we're going to get fully fed on Jesus, Yeah? The marriage supper of the Lamb. This is a reflection proclaiming Him until He comes again. And so we're going to partake in the Lord's Supper this morning. Jesus died so we could abide, and we're going to remember His life, death, and resurrection by coming to the table. So here's how this is going to work. Ethan's going to come up here, and we're going to, we're going to respond by singing. He's got like five songs planned. And we're just going to sing. If you've been free in Christ, listen, if you've been freed in Christ, you're free to sing, baby. You're free to sing. You're free to move and come and get prayer. And for those of you who are believers in this room, who have given your lives to Christ, you are free to come to this table. And we want to display our freedom by standing up and coming. Now, we're not going to have lines, so I'll be over here. Or no, Baxter will be over here. Brian will be in the front, and I'll be on the right side. And so you come either as a family, you come as an individual, or maybe there's a group of you. So maybe, maybe there's a couple of ladies that say, I don't want to go by myself, but I'll go with you three. You come down, or maybe a group of men to do the same, and you come down, and we're going to administer the Lord's Supper with you on an individual basis. We're going to pray for you and send you on your seat. So here's what happens. You stand and sing, you pray, you worship, you do whatever you have to do to say, I am free in Christ and I'm free indeed. And you can come to any one of these sections. But as somebody leaves, then that's the next person's cue to come in. Does that make sense? Are you with me? No lines. Please, no lines. Fire hazard. Okay? So that's our response today. So your response is you can sing, you can pray in your seat. You can come to Larry to pray, you can come to John to pray. You can come, get, you can come today and find out what it means to abide in Christ, or you can come to the table. Now here's what we ask about from the table. Because we are Baptists, we ask that only people who are like-minded, like-minded believers, in other words, you hold to a Baptist doctrine, and you're in good standing with your church that you're coming from, we would ask that you can come and partake. But other than that, everybody else, uh, if you're not a believer, then come to one of these guys and find out what it means to become Christ. And then next year, or next time we do this, you can come to the table. But this is reserved for only believers, and we like to do it only for those who are like-minded in their faith with us. In other words, you hold to Baptist doctrine. Everybody good with that? Let's pray, and then let's sing, and you respond as long as the Lord leads you. Father, we thank you for this opportunity that we have to come to your table. We thank you that we can abide in you. We thank you that Jesus says that if you abide in my word, then you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And I pray that every believer here has been set free based on their relationship to Christ. That without Jesus, we're lost. That without Jesus, we are slaves to our sin and our selfishness. But through Christ, through our faith in Christ, He has truly set us free. He has unlocked the slavery of our hearts to begin to finally live for Him and enjoy Him for all the rest of our days. So Father, I pray today, Lord, that You would just have Your way in this time of response. We're free to sing. We're free to pray. We're free to come to Jesus. And we're free to come to the table to be reminded of what Christ has done for us and to proclaim him until he returns.
have your way now, I pray, Lord, in this time of response. It's in Jesus' precious holy name I pray. Amen. You may respond as the Lord leads.